Good morning. Hey, we've got a lot to celebrate. Um, I get really excited about celebrating things. Uh, actually, that's the majority of the sermon this morning is what it means to mark and celebrate uh, meaningful events and occasions. Because here's what happens. Um, I keep doing this thing where I go off notes and I end up like saying the end point at the beginning. But it's good for you. You get to hear it a bunch of times. We forget things. That's what we do. And when you think about your life, sometimes you're more likely to remember the tragedies and traumas and difficulties than the good times. And that's why you have all these quotes and you have all these movies reminding us to live in the moment and absorb these good things because people will always tell you, man, your kids aren't five years old forever. Man, your kids, your kids aren't always wanting you to wake up in the middle of the night to bring them their fox. Man, you, you won't get to change diapers forever, whatever. It's like, those of you who've had kids, you know, you're just like, yeah, it goes by fast, right? I get it. I know. It's flying, right? And it's hard to cherish those moments at the time. In fact, you can't fully cherish them at the time because no matter what, you miss them. Um, and they're all, all these moments and things that we miss and that we wish we would have cherished, they're, they're kind of drawing us into this eternal reality that we need to remember that one day, all things are going to be made right and we won't miss things. We won't wish that we missed out on things. And, and so we, it's, important to celebrate things. Um, there's some things that run through my mind to celebrate that I just want to invite the church in to celebrate. Uh, we've got carpet up here, right? So, like... That, again, I said this a couple weeks ago, it's just carpet. I get that. Like, uh, you know, I'm not, like, showing that I'm almost 40 because I care about carpet. That's not the point. Um, I'm 35, so back off. Um, but here's the thing. In a church, to, to make decisions and to decide what to, to do with the next step on things, sometimes there's challenges in that, and you might not know all the intricacies of that, but thank God for all the people that come together to decide things like new banners and paint colors, and there's just so many people involved in these decisions, and for them to all do it together with a gospel-centered purpose, you might not think that there's a gospel-centered way to pick carpet and to redo the stage, but there is, and we did it. And that's an important thing in a church, because otherwise we're just doing things meaninglessly. But instead, we want to be a church that says, no, no, everything we do reflects a king and a kingdom. And so that's exciting. Um, if you notice, there were some new people up here this morning, right? And like... I want to celebrate that because as God brings people in, you know, you'll get to know more about the Cox family here, uh, you know, as, as they're around. But as God brings people in and we're able to fold them in and worship with them, it's a sign again of this eternal reality that we serve a king and a kingdom. And we're all eternally connected. And we're all going to be doing these things for millions and millions of years, endless eternity that we get to spend celebrating and worshiping God together. And so it's cool when people get to come in and we get to worship with them, we get to connect. It's an exciting thing. So we're going to talk about that. Um, if you want to grab a Bible, we're going to be in Deuteronomy 6 and Psalms 139. And we're going to kind of close out this series on discipleship. Um, you know, like we say every week, I can't overemphasize, grab a Bible. Because if we don't get in God's Word, if you don't read God's Word this morning, then we're kind of wasting time. Um, I'm, just, I'm just a motivational speaker that gets you really excited and then we forget it Monday. So let's get in the Word of God. Let's see what He actually has to say and go from there. We've been talking about discipleship, and it's like when we talked about prayer. It's such a challenge because there, it's a posture that I would like to just insert to everything we do. There's a reason why we always talk about the gospel every Sunday. There's a reason why we always talk about what it means to follow Christ and believe that he has all authority and that he's with us always because we forget and we struggle, and everything around us is trying to bring us back into chaos and disorder and disunity and brokenness, and so we need to come together to remember these things, to fight, to say, hey, this this is what's true. This is what's right. And we need to come back to that. 
And so the first thing we did was we talked about what is discipleship. Um, does someone want to be so bold and just yell out, what, what is discipleship? Anyone have a, a thought? Following. Following, yeah. It's a learner. Any other thought about discipleship? Mimicking, yeah. We talked about how there was a, an ancient Hebrew blessing that was, may you be covered in the dust of the sandals from one whom you follow, or your rabbi, right? And so the idea is that you're following Christ so closely that the dust off his sandals is covering you. Um, you take on Jesus' flavor. You marinate in him. And it just kind of begs the question, like, well, are you a disciple? Because if, if, you're, if you're a Christian, you are a disciple. And so what is a disciple? It's one who knows Jesus, who follows Jesus. Are his inclinations your inclinations? Are his desires your desires? Are his ways your ways? As a church, is, are his things our things? Or are we distracted by other stuffs and things that have nothing to do with Jesus? Right? This is what it means to be a disciple. And so when Jesus says, I have authority, go and make disciples of all nations. We want to be disciples and disciple others. And so you should always have an answer to these questions in your life. Who do you disciple? Who disciples you? If you don't have an answer to those questions, then you've got to rethink through what does it mean to be a disciple? Am I really following Jesus? Because I'm commanded to be a disciple and to make disciples. And so that's what we're talking about. That's the what of discipleship. Who are disciples? We, yeah, oh, newsflash, boom, Christians, believers. The reason that's important is because we tend to treat uh, discipleship as if it's like, like the Marine Corps or the Special Forces or, or like, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? A-plus students or uh, what are they, uh, dual credit classes if you're a junior or senior and those people who are taking the special classes and you're not smart enough to be with them. I'm, I'm a little bitter, okay? I didn't take dual credit classes. But like, like, they're the special kids. They're doing all the special stuff, right? That's sometimes how we approach discipleship. It's like, oh, no, I just follow Jesus. And that... Well, I'm a disciple. It's like, no, no, no. We're all disciples, right? All of us, as inadequate, as messed up, as gross as you think you are, you're a disciple of Jesus. And if Jesus calls fishermen and tax collectors and all the social outcasts and people who had demon possession and, and sickness and leprosy, if Jesus calls the most junky riffraff people of first century to follow him, then all of us fit in. We're all, we all fit in. And that's a meaningful thing. That's what grace means. That's what love means. Commitment and sacrifice. So then we've been talking about how. How do we live as disciples? And we've been looking at, boom, Joe's one step ahead of me. We've been looking at specifically modeling, time, moments, and milestones. First week we talked about modeling, which is, uh, can you show up that slide that's, ah, uh, look at that. Modeling is taking on a life posture of loving and following Jesus. We looked at Deuteronomy 6, the Shema. We're going to read it together here in a minute. But it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And so the idea of having a posture of discipleship, everything comes back to this. That's why we started with modeling. If we don't love Jesus, we don't have a shot if we don't love the Lord with everything, nothing else makes, makes a difference. Our church attendance, all the Bible says we do, all the scripture we memorize, all the cool Christian clothing that we wear, it doesn't mean anything if you don't love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And so that's what we're doing when we come together. We're trying to fight for this posture of loving the Lord because we're going to struggle with it. There are times that it comes out of my mouth, phrases and rude things that aren't loving my wife. But my overall posture is to be her husband and to love her. And sometimes I fail at it. Often. I completely biff it. But the overall posture of my marriage is to surround my wife and to love her and to seek loving her as my wife. Right? This is the idea of posture of, uh, of following the Lord. Modeling. Loving him. 
we modeled that with the things in our life. And then we looked at time and moments. Time is redeeming time for growing to know the Lord deeply through intentional rhythms in life. Moments are capturing opportunities in everyday life for growing uh, in loving the Lord. Basically, we just said, hey, time and moments, they're kind of similar. You need to discipline time in your life, intentional time. Jesus took intentional time to separate himself and to pray, to be alone with the Lord. All through the Bible, you see people having intentional time that they carve into their life. This is why you hear people talk about a quiet time or a Bible study or needing alone time with the Lord. You've got to do that because otherwise everything else is fighting for your attention. Everything else is pulling you away from the Lord. You need that intentional time. And as you have a modeling posture of loving the Lord, as you have time where you're growing to know Him deeply, then this idea of moments comes out of you. Kids start screaming at each other and start throwing fists, and instead of you screaming and throwing fists with them, you say, oh, how do I have a posture of gentleness, patience, kindness, and love, like the father in this situation? How do I turn these situations in my life that that aren't intentional, that I don't control, they just come up, how do I turn those moments as opportunities to love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength? And again, all this could just be boiled down to love the Lord with everything you have and love others, right? But that's, that's kind of kitschy and we forget those sort of things. And so it's important to kind of unpack them these different ways. Do you have intentional time that you're pursuing daily, weekly with the Lord? This is why we talk about so often prayer, church, and scripture. We list these three. I don't think I hit on these as much as I wanted to last week. But in general in life, you want to know what time and moments look like in your life? They're going to revolve around those three things. Because you need to have an intimate relationship with God in which you communicate with Him through prayer. But you have to be in the Word. You have to be reading Scripture. Otherwise, you're praying to a God that you create. The God that you want to imagine in your head that feels good to you. Just a bigger, better version of yourself. But Scripture teaches you who God actually is. What He's like. What His character is. And so then you're praying to the God of the Bible. The God that we serve. The Lord your God. The Lord is one. Right? But then we come to church because we're called to do this corporately together. Because you're going to struggle. Because you might misunderstand scripture in parts. Or you might get these inflated ideas. A couple weeks ago we looked at a Bonhoeffer quote that said, We need each other. The Christ in your own heart is weak, but the Christ in your brother's heart is strong. I'm biased to what I want. David Newton wants what David Newton wants. But James doesn't care about what David wants. James cares about the Lord. And so when I have a brotherhood with James, James is able to speak into me and say, Hey man... Stop. Stop being a buffoon, right? That's a fun word to say because you have to go, buffoon. Say it. Buffoon. It's a fun word to say, right? Okay. Say you're being a buffoon. Stop acting that way. We need each other. If you're having time and moments in your life, in your family, you think, how do I disciple my family? What do I do with these kids? Oh my gosh, these kids are watching me be like Jesus. Oh, we're in for it. Prayer, scripture, and church. You can do this. Grandma, grandpa parent, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, friend, co-worker. You can do this. You can have a posture in your life that says, I'm going to read scripture. I'm going to pray to the Lord, and I'm going to be around other Christians in his body to grow in those things. You can do this. This is discipleship. So we've been looking at modeling time moments. This week, we're going to look at milestones uh, as we wrap up and kind of connect everything together. Um, We're going to do what we did last week. We're going to stand, and we're going to read Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Joe's going to throw it up on the screen, and we'll read this together. Here we go. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. 
and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God, thank you for this day, and thank you that we get to gather to worship you, to read your word. I pray that by the power of your spirit that you would move uh, amongst all of us, uh, those watching at home, those gathered together here, that uh, all your people all over the world, that as we gather and worship you, that we would grow to love you with everything we have, that we would grow to love others and thereby loving you. God, teach us to do your will. Teach us to be people who put you above everything else. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. You can be seated. When we talk, uh, when we read these verses, we want to remember that love is the crux. Love is what binds everything together. And I feel like, <sighs> I always got to be careful here, but I feel like this always has to be defined because we live in a culture that says love is love and everything's relative. And whatever you think love is, that's true. That's your truth. Speak your truth. Be true to yourself. Love is love. And here's the issue. It's not. Because if love is love, it's meaningless. And that, that's fine if, if a whole bunch of people are fired up at me now for that because we need to understand that love is too precious to define it by whatever you think it is. We have to have an objective standard for love. And that standard is Jesus Christ. That's it. Mic drop. Boom. That's all. Love is Jesus. And if you understand that everything is love, which you do because you've listened to rock music and poetry for the last 3,000 years, you understand everything comes back to love right? The Beatles will tell you, Nicholas Sparks will tell you, whoever. Everything comes back to love. But that comes from the Bible because that's an that's a unchanging posture of what we were created for by our Creator, our Father who loves us. And His posture says, hey, love me with everything you have. Everything. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. When Jesus talks about it in Aramaic, uh, in the Greek language, he also, he says with all your mind, uh, in case you're really geeky and care about that, the reason he says that is because the Hebrews, when they said the word heart, right, it overlapped with mind. It was the same idea. It was all connected. So when they say heart, right, heart and soul kind of envelop mind, but in kind of the Hellenistic worldview and, and other things, first century, uh, they kind of separated those things. Trichotomous view of man came in where you had your body, your soul, and your spirit, and all these things. And so Jesus throws in another phrase colloquially to help them understand, and we're talking about everything, right? So in, in case you're really nerdy like me, my kids have what Jesus said memorized, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and here we're reading, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and you think, whoa, Jesus wanted to love him with his mind too, so Moses is missing it. No, 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 it's just, it's just a difference in language and culture. I don't know why I threw that in. That's in my mind right now, and now it's in your mind, and it's about the word mind. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Wow, coming back. Everything comes back to love. This is the crux of what we're doing. And then that ripples out. He's saying, hey, if you love me, if you have this posture of love, you know what? That's going to ripple out when you sit, when you stand, when you walk, when you go by the way. And then you're going to write it on your doorpost. You're going to write it on, on your forehead, on the gates. People are going to see that you are loving me, that you are about me. Do the things in your life communicate King Jesus and his kingdom? Man, you hear me say it all the time. I'll never quit talking about that because I struggle with that. 
If someone were to take a snapshot of any point in your life, your leisure activity, the way you're going to work, the shows you watch on Netflix, the way that you do whatever you do, would they take that snapshot and say, whoa, this person, this person must be about a king in a kingdom. This looks like King Jesus. If not, then we need to start thinking, what is discipleship? How do we grow in those things? It's not a guilt opportunity to say, look at you, you all are screwing it up. You've really messed up this time, church. That's, that's not the point. The point is saying the God who loves us, who's drawing us into himself, is ever growing us, ever convicting us, bringing about sanctification, right? And so if you think of things right now, as we're talking, think, hold on, I've never considered how my job communicates who, who's my king and about his kingdom. I've never thought about how my Netflix account communicates who my king is and his kingdom. Hey, Welcome to church. This is what we do. We talk about how to follow King Jesus together. And we all mess it up and we continue to grow together. This is sanctification. This is the church. And one day, God makes it all right. Amen? Yes. Yeah. Get pumped. It's happening someday. We've got to get back on track here. So we're talking about milestones. When we define milestones, we're looking at this. Marking occasions and events to remember and celebrate what the Lord has done. What we're talking about is having meaningful traditions or things postures in life that uh, end up being manifested through uh, meaningful occasions, celebrations. You know of these things because you have these family traditions in your life already. You all, like, like you, get, you sit in a room full of people and someone's like, hey, what do you all do for Thanksgiving? And you have these tra traditions or whatever, and they remind you of something. Oh, great grandma always did this, or, or my aunt and uncle always did this, or grandma used to make broccoli casserole. Man, what I wouldn't give to eat Nana's broccoli casserole. Someday, maybe she'll make it again in eternity, but that's a story for another time. But you guys have these things, these traditions. We already have them. Holidays, class reunions, all kinds of celebrations and parties. We are a people marked by what we celebrate, right? Even in death, we have traditions of how we celebrate someone's life and say goodbye to them. And as a culture, when we kick those things aside and we say, no, 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 let's be little death, let's make it this thing that we just have to forget about, we rob ourselves of what it means to be human. We need to understand through funerals, through, through, uh, through births, through birthdays, we need to make these things meaningful. We're marked by what we celebrate, what we enjoy. We have these traditions all through our life. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. We do these things already. God set it up as a posture. The Hebrews, they had tons of feasts and festivals. I went to study to start telling you all of them. There's seven big ones they have, and maybe a few of you in here could name all seven of them. But then there's other ones that don't quite fit in those seven, and it's confusing of like, well, and some people have lists of like, just tons. I mean, it's like the Hebrew people knew how to party. You know what I mean? Some of you are shaking your head because you know. Like, if you think you're a party animal, you don't know Jews. Because those people know how to party. And I'm not talking like get lit, right? Uh, although they did. Like, they had parties. They were excited. There was music. There, was, there were parties they had that lasted weeks. When's the last time you had, like, we're talking like Woodstock, right? Some, get excited. I'm talking Woodstock. Can, can some of you remember Woodstock, please? Can we take a moment to remember that Woodstock was a pretty cool event, right? I mean, we don't have things like that anymore. Okay, it wasn't cool in some sense, but it was a neat idea that all these people came together for one thing. The Jews were doing this. Why? Because God set this up. God set up and said, hey, you will do this, and you will do this, and you will do this. Why? Because of the next part in Deuteronomy 6. We're going to read it together. Why do they have all these festivals? Why is it a part of humanness to celebrate, to worship, to, to do things in collection together? Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 10. 
This is right after he says, verse 9, you shall write them on your doorposts of your house, your gates. Love the Lord with everything you got. Let it ripple out into your life. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Take care, lest you forget. Anyone in here a forgetful person? Yeah, my people, right? Like, you just like, you would forget your face if it wasn't stapled to your head. Man, that's a bad analogy, and it's not even stapled. What did people say? You would forget your pocket if it wasn't sewn to your pants? Is that a phrase? That sounds like a phrase. But we forget things, right? This happens... (laughs) Sorry, I just caught someone's face who's looking at me like, what did you just say? Uh, what did I just say? You would forget your pocket if it wasn't sewn to your pants. You understand? Pants have pockets. My pockets are larger than female pants, huh? Right? Because females have really short pockets. You're mad about it? We'll move on. We forget things. And I hate forgetting things. Like, I, it's a pride thing for me, but to forget something drives me insane. If I had a dime for, no, it's not even a dime. I just, if someone texts me and is like, hey, did you remember this? Or did you, hey, are you going to be here? And I forgot. Man, that's a good way to mess with me. You want an April Fool's prank me? Just text me, hey, are you going to be here? Or whatever. Man, I will lose my mind all day. It's like, what did I forget? <laughs> this is how this works in my life. It is maybe 128 times a day that I look at my wife and I say, Hey, Nikki, will you remind me when, uh, when we get home, will you make sure I... Nikki, could you help me remember? If you could see my wife, she's like, yeah, man, that's... If Nikki remembered half the stuff I asked her to remind me of, she would be the most brilliant person in the room. Like, I just am always, I'm begging her, remind me of this, and she never does. Like, come on, who can keep up with that? No one can be my brain for me, right? And so here's my new thing. Hey, Siri, remind me to, anyone use that feature? It will change your life. It's even, there's even an app. It's called Reminders. Huh? Huh? Nope, you guys aren't down. That's okay. You'll get woke with it someday. It's so amazing. It's easily five, six times a day. Hey, remind me to do this when I get home. Hey, Siri, remind me to call this person at this time. Hey, Siri, remind me to do this. Right? Some of you think I got it all together. It's because I tell my phone all day long to remind me of stuff. It's the brain my wife never had. Right? So, whoa, whoa. I meant like to remind Yeah. What did I just say? You guys, you guys know how much I love my wife. We talk about it a lot. So we're going we're gonna to move on from that. I don't like forgetting things. And I ask myself all the time to remind myself of things. You guys know forget for people. I think it's so interesting here that Moses is saying, hey, when things are going really good in your life, when you're hashtag blessed, everything's peachy king, you're going to forget. You're going to forget. Take care unless you forget. And there's an implication there. You're going to forget, right? This is why uh, if, you, if you think through it, um, Charlie Brown Christmas and all these Christmas specials and literally the Hallmark Channel like nine months out of the year, every show is about reminding us of the true meaning of things because we forget. We need to remember the true meaning of Christmas. So that's why I fight so hard for things like Advent and Lent and Easter. We want to remember, hey, 
there's something here we're going to forget. We need to remember the preciousness of it because we're going to forget. And so Moses comes along and saying, hey, when things are good, you're going to forget. Look at Israel's history. They have all these highs and lows, right? Does Israel remember God? Not mostly no. Yeah, yeah. Pass or fail. Israel, huh? Yeah. Right? And, and of course, they're a picture of us. Like, we're no different. But that's the big thing. They just keep forgetting. Man, I was asking my wife. She's been doing that Bible recap thing that I keep kind of pushing. Maybe you guys should check out. And so she's been reading through the Bible throughout the year. And then she listens to that, like, eight-minute podcast every day that kind of explains it. And because it's fresh in her mind, I was asking her, like, hey, can you give me an example? And those of you who really know the Old Testament, you'll think this question's hilarious. I was like, hey, can you give me an example of when uh, Israel just biffed it? Like, when they just really forgot God and didn't remember him, and they were whiny and complaining, and Nikki was like, this is the Pentateuch, right? This is, this is the Old Testament. Like, and so, so, but it's like, they have these moments where it's like, here is all the manna. This incredible, what is this? All this stuff. Here's all the quail. Here's all the whatever that I've provided for you. And then very soon they're like, oh, things are terrible. Why didn't we just stay in Egypt? It'd be better to be in slavery. You know, you have kids like, oh, this is the worst day ever. I've never had Cheerios this crunchy and they're terrible. They just find the most ridiculous things to complain about, right? No one has ever complained about the crunchiness of Cheerios, apparently. But this is Israel's history, right? They're on it. They're grumpy constantly highs and lows. And so Moses comes along and says, hey, you're going to forget. Here's the thing, though. A lot of Israel's history in the Bible is up and down because we're reading a snapshot of it. Story, 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 story. But there are tons of years in between this, tons of days that are just in this area. Let me, let me draw this for you because I think here's, here's the danger of these scriptures. When we read these scriptures, we get in this attitude that maybe, let's move this over here maybe, I don't know. Um, we get this attitude that, oh, we just need to remember during the good times but that's not true because we forget God all the time, right? We have this idea that, uh, hey, I have a Sharpie this week, okay? Praise God, those of you who hate me writing with an Expo marker, you're welcome. We have this idea, mountains and valleys, right? And so we've got this person up here, and they're happy because they're on the mountain. And we have this person down here. And they're sad because they're in the, the whatever this is, the area. We, they've even got, you know what? It's crazy down here because of like pressure systems and stuff. They've got like rain falling on them. They're just, they don't even have an umbrella. Even the rain cloud's sad. This is a bad day for them. Anyway, and so we approach life this way. We are either in the good times, yay, right? Hashtag blessed. Hurrah. Yay! And, or we're down here, and we're in the dumps, and I don't know what else to draw there. Um, maybe a, a lightning bolt, a poop emoji, right? Whatever. And we're sad, right? Right? This is how we think about life. But here's what I submit. I'm about to blow your mind. Most of your life is right here. And you're just kind of, eh, you know, meh. What's the phrase for that, right? Yeah. Eh, right, right? This is most of our life. Most of your life is just hanging out. You, go to, you wake up, you do breakfast, or maybe you don't because you're intermittent fasting or whatever, and then you go to work, and then you do your work thing, and then you, you drive home. You don't even remember the fact that you drove home five days this last week. You don't even remember it. You just did it. And then you, you're at home, and you did stuff. And I say, hey, what'd you do last Tuesday? <sighs> you know, we don't remember. This is most of life. Just casually doing stuff, right? This is the, oh, man, stuffs of life, they mostly happen in here. And here's what I submit, and here's what Moses is trying to get us to understand. All of this, this whole thing, 
This whole thing is, uh, we're going to write Emmanuel, because that's a cool word that gets us there, and also because I can't spell it off the cuff. But all of this is Emmanuel, God with us, right? Because Jesus says what? I'm with you when? In the high times? In the, I'm with you always. Thank you. Right. And so Moses is saying, hey, let's move this over here. He's saying, don't forget when everything's going good, God is with you always. And that's constantly the thing that Moses is telling them over and over. The Lord is with you. The Lord went before you. He was behind you. He's with you in Egypt. He's with you always. And we forget. So how do we remember? Because the implication here is that you're going to forget. You're going to get into these, these average times of the majority of your life. You're going to get in these high times where everything's great and you're going to forget God. These cisterns that you didn't dig and these olive vineyards that you didn't plant and all these things. And you're going to forget. Or you're going to get in these low times. You're going to down the dumps and everything's sad and nobody loves me. I'm going to go eat worms. And you're going to forget. Right? This is life. This is why we talk about milestones. If we are in a constant posture of loving the Lord with everything, but the Bible tells us we're going to forget. Take care, because you're going to forget. What are we supposed to do? This is why we talk about milestones. Marking occasions and events to remember and celebrate what the Lord has done. In our life, in your life, all these words that I say today, you're not going to remember next year probably. Because this is how messages go. Uh, all the best sermons that you've heard, uh, all the best quotes, you're going you're gonna to get to an age where you have to like, I was trying to remember a quote for a friend uh, the other day, and I had to Google it because I, I don't remember. And I told him, it's a really meaningful quote to me, but I, I, I kind of forgot it, so I had to Google parts of it. You forget things. And as we're forgetting these things, what are we going to do to help us remember these things? Here's the idea. The world, the flesh, the devil, they want to constantly rip apart your life into this chaos, this disunity, this confusion, so that you live hopelessly thinking that everything's okay, eh, everything's all right. You completely forget the Lord. And then when you have high times or low times, you have no remembrance of the Lord, and you slowly drift further and further from Him. You have no real relationship with Him. And so you, you miss what it means to truly live. Because what it means to truly live is to live in the image that you were created, which is the image of the Father which is a God who loves you, who generously gave all things to you, who told you to go and love other people, to generously give things to them, to teach them how to live like Christ, to go and make disciples. And we can't possibly do that if we're constantly forgetting. This is why we preach. This is why we gather. So we want to mark meaningful occasions and remember and celebrate them. We move into milestones in our discipleship. Whether you're thinking family, you're thinking how to disciple these kids, or you've got older kids, they're out of the house. You're thinking, I don't know how to lead and help my kids anymore. They're adults now. Or you've got a spouse, or you've got just some people at work, or just use an individual. You're saying, I want to be a disciple. I want to make disciples. When we walk into milestones, we're saying, as individuals and as a church, how are we taking opportunities to mark meaningful occasions, to celebrate them, to draw us back to the Lord. This is why as a church we say we're all about worship, connect, grow, and go. When we gather on Sundays to worship, this is what we're doing. We're worshiping God passionately together to say, you are Lord. The Lord is one. We love you with everything we have. We're connecting with each other authentically, knowing that we are his body and we're going to fail. We're going to struggle to love the Lord to worship, so we connect authentically to grow in that. We're growing in our knowledge of the Lord. We're growing to know the Lord deeply. We're doing this together. We're growing through his word to remind us. And then we're going. 
We're going and teaching the gospel boldly because we want other people to know of the hope they have in Christ, to know that the world is chaos and disunity and brokenness, but they can have unity and right relationship with the Lord through Jesus. This is why we do these things, to remind us, but we can't do these things just on Sunday mornings for an hour. Church, hear me. If you're a, co- if you're a committed member of Memorial, stop believing that your discipleship is an hour church service here. Your discipleship is all parts of your life. What does every part of your life communicate about a king and a kingdom? Milestones help us get there. I'm going to throw up a list of examples of these milestones. And by me, I mean Joe. He's going to throw them up. Thank you, Joe. Um, Or Wade. I don't know who's doing slides. But uh, these are some ideas of milestones. And again, these can ripple in your family. These rip on our church. These can be individual things. Hopefully, these spawn some creativity for you as well. But the point here is to do things lest we forget the Lord. Because we're going to forget. That's the whole point. You're going to struggle to remember. And so to help us avoid that, we set up these, these occasions, these moments of celebration. So we do that on Sunday mornings. The reason we gather here at 9.15 on Sunday mornings is to worship, connect, grow, and go. Yes. And we're doing this to remind us of who the Lord is. And we're not asking you to walk in here all pristine and pretty and say, I'm a Christian. Yes. That's not what we're doing here. We're saying roll in here broken after cursing at your wife in your van because you've had a terrible week. You hate your job. You're about to quit. You can't get off your drugs. You still can't stop looking at porn and you hate your life. Please come in here and worship, connect, and grow and go with us because we are the body of Christ and we are here to work through each other's brokenness together as one body, not to walk in here and pretend that we're something that we're not. We're all inadequate. We need King Jesus. That's why we gather. We gather to remember who Jesus is. So our Sunday morning gatherings are a weekly occasion. This is why you need to be here. This is why you need to tune in. Teach your family. Teach your grandkids. Teach your cousins, your aunt and uncles, your coworkers. Please gather with other believers. You need other believers. Conveniently, most churches have a time weekly they gather. Wow, isn't that neat? God set that up so that we could gather and worship. This is a moment every week, a milestone that we gather to say, this is how we celebrate King Jesus. This is how we grow in him. We also do baptisms. Baptisms is a sign of saying, hey, I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm dying to my old self. I'm being crucified with Christ and metaphorically buried with him, spiritually buried with him, and I'm rising again in newness of life. When we do baptisms here, it's a big deal. We celebrate it. We talk about the story of redemption. We're going to have a baptism Sunday uh, in the middle of April, shortly after we do Easter. We've got three, four, five people getting baptized, and we're going to make a whole Sunday of them. We're going to celebrate it, and we're going to say, hey, look, look at what God has done. And those people being baptized, the reason we film it, the reason we we give them papers to fill out, the reason we give them a certificate is to remind them, hey, you didn't have some gas in your stomach and get really emotional and decide, poof, I'm a Christian. You committed your life to Jesus. And we're marking that moment so that we can celebrate it. And you can say, man, it's been 15 years since I gave my life to the Lord. And every year is getting better and better in Christ. It's not easy. It's difficult. But I'm continuing to grow in Christ. This is a milestone. We do uh, the Lord's Supper right? That's a a communion. We gather together and we celebrate. We remember what Christ did for us, his sacrifice, and how that ripples out to all people as they come to know Jesus. And we celebrate that together through the Lord's Supper. These are things we do in the church. We celebrate Advent and Lent. I already mentioned those so that we can remember those. We do baby dedications. You got a baby? We want to dedicate them as a church. Say, hey, we are committed to walking with this child in Christ because you as a parent are going to mess it up. And as a church, we want to walk through it with you. 
We need you to be vulnerable with us to struggle as parents like we all do, and we're going to be vulnerable with you and let you know how we struggle, and we're all going to stand before Jesus and say, Jesus, how do we parent these kids? I didn't know our kids could just bang their heads on the ground when they get mad. Who taught them to do that? Lord, how do we parent these kids? Right? We need each other. This is why we have baby dedications. Birthdays. Who here has a birthday? Hey, gotcha. We all have birthdays. We celebrate them. What if your birthday became a gospel-centered reason to say, hey, God gave me another year of life. Thank God that I've had another year of life that I get to celebrate. What if parents, grandparents, what if the way you celebrated birthdays with those around you communicated Jesus and his kingdom and said, hey, thank God that he brought you into existence. Thank God that he's with us always. Psalms one, uh, Psalm 139a, it talks about, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. All of Psalms 139 is this point over and over that God knows you deeper than you could imagine, and he's with you. We're going to read Psalms 139 here in a minute as we close the service. But when we do things like baby dedications, birthdays, what if there are occasions to remind us, man, God is with us always, and we should love him. Uh, Rite of passage ceremonies. Man, I wish I had more time to unpack this. In our family, we're going to be doing this uh, as our kids walk into middle school years. In general, our culture has no way to mark what it means to be an adult, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. If I were to ask any of you who have been in your 20s or who are in your 20s, hey, what does it mean for you to be an adult? You'd say, I can buy cigarettes. You You don't know. Like, oh, I'm 18 now. I can go to prison, right? Come on. Like, we don't know what it means to be an adult. And so uh, I was a part of a service once through a church where a young man that I was discipling and some other men had discipled, we walked in, there was a fire. We all sat around the fire. There was about 30, 30 guys there. And those of us who felt so led, we stood up and we said, hey, Luke, here's what I understand to be a man. And some of us gave him an artifact. I gave him a... uh, a two-faced coin. It was a Batman analogy. It made sense at the time. doesn't matter. But a cooler guy than me, who's an old farmer, he gave a monkey wrench. And he said, like, hey, uh, uh, this wrench can be used uh, and, and adjusted in multiple ways. In your life, you're going to need to be uh, flexible, adjustable. And, and he said, I found this wrench. I lost it 20 years ago. I found it on my farm a couple weeks ago, and it still works, and it's still adjustable. That's the kind of man you want to be. And he quoted a scripture and did that. What this communicated to Luke was, here's what we think it means to be a man, and we are all committed to walk along being a man with you because you're going to fail and you're going to struggle. And we're going to do it with you. It's a rite of passage ceremony. Maybe you need to insert this into your life. Maybe you're like, ah, my kid's way too old. I can't do that. Why not? Why not tell them the kind of man, the kind of woman that you'd hope them to be? Uh, in kid land, we have all these different things that we do celebrate. You go from kid land to middle school to youth to graduation. The reason we have graduation services and, and we have times where we take kids out to ice cream is, again, to mark these occasions Marriages, anniversaries, gospel-centered family traditions, you get it. The point is to inspire some motivation in you to have occasions and events in your life, milestones. Say, we seek King Jesus, lest you forget the Lord. We don't want to forget. Big and small festivals, rituals, postures, patterns, all these things are to guide us to loving the Lord. They're not an end in themselves. These aren't, these aren't man-centered structures. These are God-centered structures. God gave them to us, and then we then say, hey, we're going to redeem the time. We're going to be ministers of reconciliation, and we're going to communicate with our time, with our stuffs, with our thingies. We serve King Jesus. All of this is a humble admission of our inadequacy. 
I've got all these examples of how I'm inadequate. I don't need to go through another one of those because you guys have heard about my inadequacy in life. I need King Jesus. I need the gospel. And I need ways to remember it. Being here on Sunday mornings helps me remember how much I need Jesus. Doing quiet time in the mornings helps me remember how much I need Jesus. Having close friends in my life that call me out on the junk that I do reminds me I need King Jesus. When my kids celebrate a birthday and I'm reminded, man, I did not deserve this wife or these kids. I remember that King Jesus must really love me. Because I don't deserve to be married to Nikki. I don't deserve to be the father of the kids that I have. The fact that I stand up here before you guys and you listen to me at all, we must serve a God that loves us. May you have occasions in your life, events and structures that you implement to remind you of God's love so that you have a posture in life of loving him with everything. Have you forgotten the Lord? Maybe you're here today and you have a posture in life that doesn't remember the Lord, that's completely forgotten Him, that doesn't know how to honor Him. Maybe you're watching at home, think, man, I, maybe I don't know the Lord. Thank God you're here. Praise God. He brought you into a loving community today that wants to tell you about Jesus, that's welcoming you and saying, hey, come worship Jesus with us. Christ is calling you, saying, hey, I am adequate. Jesus is saying, I am adequate. I am righteous. I am true life. But in you, you're only going to find death. You're going to find sin. You're going to find destruction and chaos. Jesus brings us unity, hope, and life. And so if you've forgotten Jesus, if you've forgotten the Lord, I invite you to talk to him today. As we read Psalms 139 in a minute, I invite you to remember how much the Lord loves you, how close he is to you. What milestones have you set up in life? Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe that's uh, something that you need to, man, you can come forward. Um, maybe, maybe that's your time now. You say, hey, I need this milestone in my life. I've never really publicly committed my life in that way. Maybe you need to give your life to the Lord today. That's something you've never gone through. Maybe some of these other examples, you say, man, there are things that I need to do in life, and I want to wrestle through those things. Maybe you need to join a church. You need to say, hey, I need to be a part of a group of people. When you talk about church along with prayer and scripture, I've got prayer and scripture, but this whole church thing, it's full of a bunch of hypocrites and sinners. I don't want to be around those people. We need you. You need us. We all need Jesus. We're doing this together. So maybe, maybe today you need to join a church. We're going to read Psalms 139. Uh, I'm going to read just the first 16 verses of it, and then we're going to move into the response time. During the response time, there's a lot of things you can do to respond. You can, uh, you can respond, uh, you can fill out a card that's in front of you that kind of guides you through how to respond. You can come up here and pray. You can pray with me. You could grab someone next to you and say, hey, I need, to, I need to make this commitment. I need to make it real. These things that God's stirring in me right now, I need to do something with it because I'm going to leave here. I'm going to forget. The Bible tells me Moses said it. David said it. I'm going to forget. I need to do something right now. Maybe you need to pursue obediently following Christ's command to be baptized. Say, so I, need, I need to be baptized. We can talk about it during the response time. For this moment, hear these words, Psalms 139, the words of the Lord that remind us of God's love for us, that God is with us always, that he cares about you. Oh Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit up and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. 
I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? If I shall, uh, if I shall flee, from, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take on the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God, thank you for this time. I pray that you would guide us as we respond to you now. Help us to be a church, a people who have meaningful milestones in our life to celebrate and remember you. God, protect us from the lazy, forgetful patterns of selfishness, of ignorance, of arrogance. God, I pray you would convict our hearts right now to be a church, to be families, to be men and women who celebrate and worship you. Show us what that looks like. God, may you give us the grace to know what what those occasions mean and that we would be setting those milestones in our life. I pray for those of us who have forgotten you, who feel far from you, baptism, church membership, salvation, whatever you're calling us to now, God, I pray through the power of your spirit, in the name of Jesus, that you would convict our hearts, draw us near to you, and may we love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Guide us as we worship and respond to you now.